One, two, one, two. Am on? Hello. Good morning. Great. Man, I tell you, what a powerful time that was in worship. Amen? Such a great time. Such a great time. I tell you, the words that came this morning from Andrew and Jen, Jen, and Katie and Tim, spot on. Absolutely spot on. So I'm just wrestling with Andrew, you come, but. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I had a word in worship. Um, I really um, was. Uh, thinking about the birth of Jesus in one of the songs is I believe in the virgin birth and um, I just thought that's, that was not an easy road for Mary and Joseph and Jesus it was the things were against them they had to do difficult things and I just really believe that God is birthing something within us and sometimes there's labour pains and in, in, in spiritual and things are against us but don't take um, you know don't give up be encouraged God is doing something wondrous and glorious and He's going to bring it through um, mightily. Um, just while we were worshipping, I was just reminded of 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 18, which says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And I just felt God just wanted to encourage us to not get bogged down by what's going on around us, but just to keep our eyes on him. And I um, had a picture of what looked like a um, fortress, like a castle fortress, and I felt like all of a sudden people were kind of running all kind of fast across the different places, and I saw like someone running up to the turret, uh, spiral staircase um, type thing to get up to the battlements. And what I felt was Jesus was calling his army, army to mobilize, just like Tim was talking about. He was setting this call for Christchurch, and he was saying... Now, get into position. Get ready. You know where you're supposed to go. Now get. Now go. You know, stop standing around. It's now time to get in position. So I just felt like it was a sense of God's commissioning to, to remember what we've been called to. Remember it's time to actually get ready because we're in a battle. Um, and I think there was a word that came across the equip that said we're not in a cruise ship where we're all spectators. We're on a battleship where we're all meant to go up and, and be out there for the sake of those who don't yet know him. And I felt like that just sense of we need to actually mobilize. We need to start moving forward in, even in small steps to get the position and to answer the call of the king. Great. Thank you. And I think the other thing you said to me, um, Katie, was that it's, it's an army. It's not programs. It's not. It's not things. <laughs> that was the part. <laughs> I'm actually shaking a little bit because I think the things that God has spoken over us for the last few months has been the same thing over and over and over. God's wanting to do something. God is wanting to move. God is wanting us to move with him. God wants us to break down some of the mindsets, not focus on the things that we see around us, the difficulties. He's calling us to war. He's calling us to battle. 
And, and we've got to ask ourselves, God, if that's the case, what are you calling us to? If there's lanes for us to run in, if there's things for us to do, what is it that you're calling us to? Now, when, when James um, asked me to preach, we are looking to end off our series on creating cultures, certain cultures in the church. And I'm going to look at creating a culture of invitation, slash, living a culture of creation. Ach, invitation. It's here because I was, while I was worshiping, I was playing around with the words in my head and now I messed it up. <laughs> so creating a culture of invitation and living a culture of invitation. Acts 17 verse 28 says, For in Him we live and move and have our being. That's the NIV. And then the second part of that verse says, As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. Lord Jesus, I pray that this morning, as I share what you've laid on my heart, Lord God, as you've prepared us so wonderfully during worship and with what the, the words are bringing to us, Lord, I pray that our hearts will be open, Lord God. Our ears will be attentive and our eyes, Lord God, will be open looking at you. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to go to a, a couple of verses earlier. In Acts chapter 17. So if you can turn in your Bibles with me to, to verse 24. Verse 24 of Acts 17. And I'm going to switch to the NLT, the New Living Translation. And it goes like this. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Just look around you. Look at the people around you. Look at the trees, the grass, the flowers. Vicky loves the UK. She loves the fact that as we, you, when we walk around and as you look around, you can see the change of season. It's beautiful. God has created everything in it. Since He is Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve His needs, for He has no needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything. And He satisfies every need. From one man he created all the nations through the whole, throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. And he determined their boundaries. Do you know that God has determined where you and I will live right now? He has determined where our boundaries fall right now. Not only that, He has created us and given us the very breath that we have. That, my friends, is an amazing thought. But not only did He do that for us, but He also did it for everything around us. For everyone around us. Listen to this. His purpose. Whose purpose? God's purpose was for the nations to seek after God... Great, right? People are seeking after God. But then the next part is quite confusing. And perhaps... What? Feel their way toward Him and find Him. 
That's an interesting sentence. If it's God's purpose for the nations to seek Him, why would He let them feel their way towards Him? And then it says, though He's not far from any one of us. And then that verse that I just read. For in Him we live and move. And I love how the NLT says it, not just have our being, and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. So there was a time when God overlooked the fact that people were looking to idols and looking to religions and looking to different things. There was a time when God overlooked that, but listen to this now. It's an urgency. But now He, do, he does what? He commands everyone, everywhere, to repent of their sins and turn to Him. For He has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man, Jesus, He has appointed. And He proved to everyone who this is by raising Him from the dead. Do you love where you live? There's quite a few yeses. I'm glad to hear that. Well done. Star on your forehead. You know what the great thing is about moving to a new area? Tell me, what's the great thing about moving to? Oh, well done, Rob. (laughs) Extra bonus star on your forehead there. The great thing about moving to a new area is that everybody asks you how you're settling in. Even people that I've maybe had just one half a conversation with that I've told that we're new to the area, they will ask me inevitably, how are you settling in the next time they see me? And that's a great thing. Because for me, when they've asked me that question, it's a point of connection. It's an open door to further the conversation. And my response truly is, we are loving it. I am loving it. I'm loving where we live. I'm loving the new house. There's just a sense of openness. It's just like, it's, it's easy to get anywhere around about, in around about 10 minutes. I love it. It takes me 10 minutes to get to the Crawley practice where I work, and it takes me 10 minutes to get to the Holy practice where I work. It takes me 10 minutes to come to church in the mornings. It takes me 10 minutes to go to the mall. <laughs> 10 minutes. It's wonderful. It's how God intended us to live. I love it. And inevitably, they ask me, why did you move to Crawley? Love it. And so what happens happens is it opens up an opportunity for me to share with people that God has called us to Crawley. You actually believe God speaks to you? 
Oh, so you do the whole religion thing. Oh, you really believe that? I've had all sorts of responses. And all sorts of opportunities to speak to people about my beliefs. We had a guy come and install a new geezer, boiler, sorry, boiler in our house this week. And so he asked me, so you're new to the area? Yes. Why did you come? Because we believe God has called us here. Oh, so you do religion? I said, no. So, so what religion are you? You go to church here, yeah? Christ church. What religion is that? Christianity. Oh, so like Seventh-day Adventists or Mormons. Not quite. I said to him, not quite. I say, you're all about that religion. No, actually, I'm about relationship because I believe that God made me to be in relationship with him. What do you mean? Another open door. Well, have you had experience with church or with Christians? Let me tell you. And then, pa, 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 pa. Got nailed, got beaten up, got hurt. Wow, that's so sad. I'm really sorry to hear that. The amount of conversations I've had in the last six weeks since we moved here has been mind-blowing. Over the last three and a half years since we moved here, I've had an opportunity to speak to a business owner who is a Hindu. When we started the church, he said, uh, about a few months later, he said, I, I, do you still run the church? He says, well, thank you, Father God, Jesus Christ, Buddha. The, I said, yeah, just cover all of them if you want. That's fine by me. <laughs> I've had an opportunity to speak to a, a franchise owner that has got franchises over, all over the world and found out that he, um, he lost faith in God because at the age of 14, God took his best friend from him who used to be the incense altar boy with him in the Catholic Church in Italy. I've had the opportunity to speak to, to one of the top marketing companies in, uh, in the hospitality industry, the owner of that marketing company, and share about being in a healthy, wholesome marriage relationship. I've had the opportunity to speak to staff. At the opportunity, I cannot count the amount of opportunities I've had to share Jesus with people. How easy do you think it is for me to share with people about Jesus? Now, I realize that you guys might not know me, but I'm quite an outgoing type of person, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. I'm energized by people. Vicky is not. We reach a time at night when people visit where I can see my wife needs a break, which is normally the time of night when I can just keep going. But let me tell you, Every single time I had the opportunity to speak to someone, I hesitated. How can I do this? What am I going to say? Why would this person even listen to me? Why would they give me the time of day? I've experienced what all of us have experienced when we've had the opportunity to share with others. I read an interesting article of someone who was involved with a a project called Back to Church Sunday. And in this project, they did research and surveys in over 18 countries and did over 9 
hundred surveys. Right? This is one of the, some of the things they found. Although most of us, and I quote, although most of us would like to invite people to church, 80 to 95% of us have no intention of doing so. That's a staggering statistic. The Evangelical Alliance and the uh, 21st century evangelicals discovered almost two in every three Christians feel they have missed a chance to speak to others about God in the past four months. Almost half of them, so one third of people, because if there's two out of three and half of two out of three is one out of three, it's a third of Christians, have, uh, they admitted that they were just too scared to talk about their faith with non-Christians. Let me ask you, have you felt in the last few weeks that you missed out on an opportunity to share Jesus with someone? I have. I have. And maybe, I'm not going to ask you to put up your hands, so don't feel pressure. But how many times, out of those times where you felt that you missed an opportunity to share the gospel with Jesus, were you just too scared to share? A lot of them, isn't there? Fear. They found that fear is the biggest hindrance that stops people from sharing their faith with others. It's incredible, isn't it? Uh, they found that people mention stuff like fear of rejection, fear of disappointment, fear of failure, fear of embarrassment. Some of these sound familiar? Fear, fear, fear stops us from reaching out. Now, there's, there's a common thing that they also found in the majority of those churches. Most of those churches were very welcoming. They were very welcoming once the person reaches the front door. Glad you're here. Welcome. Grab a coffee. Can I introduce you to people? Why? Because they're already here. There is no need for me to expose myself to potential failure. Because I'm in a safe environment. But really, for us to impact the place where God has called us to live, churches need to move from being a welcoming church to being an invitational church. People need to move from not only being a welcoming community, but also be an invitational community. And to do that, we need to realize a couple of things. First, we need to realize the result is not up to you and me. How people respond, whether they say yes or no, is not up to you. That guy that I spoke to, the Italian guy, I told him we came to plant a church. He said to me, how do you do that? First mistake, I shouldn't have said planted a church because he literally thought, well, do you then go and buy? And then he was very practical about it. How do you plant a church? Well, fortunately, I can think a little bit on my feet. And I said, well, you start a church by gathering people and that, that, and it's like, oh, that's interesting. 
But you see, what happened is, the more time I spent with him, the more uncomfortable he became. Because I wouldn't do the things that he was doing. I wouldn't talk about ladies the way that he spoke about ladies. I wouldn't drink like he was drinking. And what happened is, unfortunately for him, I became a thorn in his side. I didn't have to preach to him. I didn't have to, oh, you're, a, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, you know, what are you thinking you're doing? Just the fact that I was my normal self around him was impacting him already. But it's not my, re- it's not my responsibility to change his heart. It's not my responsibility to grab him by the ear and drag him to church. That's not what invitation is. That's not what it means. We, we cannot claim responsibility for the yeses. And we definitely cannot claim responsibilities for the noes. What we are responsible for is how we respond to what God is saying. How we respond when God is saying, it's time to step out. We can only lay claim to what we do with what God has asked of us. Because that is what we're going to answer for one day when we get to heaven. Secondly, we need to realize, so firstly that the result's not up to us. But secondly, we need to realize that God is at work. Can I open these windows here? It's getting very hot. You guys are right. I'm not preaching at you, okay? I'm just very excited and still shaking. I think I'm preaching the right thing because I don't have my glasses on, so. (laughs) So firstly, firstly, the result's not up to us. Secondly, God is at work. Do you believe slash know that God is working in you? Okay? Why is it that we forget that God is also at work in those that He calls us to speak to? Follow my logic here for a moment, please. Why would God ask me to speak to someone else if He's not already gone before me and started stirring things up in their hearts? Do you know how many times people have said to me, funny you should say that. Funny you should ask that question. You know, just the other day, you see, God is not just interested in us, but He's also interested in those that He calls us to speak to. But God is this good that He doesn't just send us into the unknown and like, I know we go into the unknown. God doesn't do that. He prepares the ground for us. So that when we go and speak, there's something to meet us on the other side. There's a preparation work that God has done on the other side for us to speak into. He's at work in the person He is inviting us to speak to. So God is constantly molding us. And at the same time, He's preparing the person that is calling us. Reminding ourselves of what it says in Acts 17. He wants people to find Him. Could it be that when God says, 
that He is near, that is talking about you and me. Because if we are living stones, God doesn't live in temples built by hands, but it's in us, right? That when He calls us to speak to a person, that it's God approaching the person through us. And if people have been feeling around in the dark, looking at this thing and looking at that religion and looking at their jobs to, to, to give them identity and a relationship, to give them some sense of worth and value, that maybe in them busy feeling around that God decided now's the time for me to make myself known to that person when you approach him. Wow. What a privilege. What an incredible privilege to be part in someone's journey. And thirdly, Jesus showed us, Jesus showed us that invitation is a very powerful tool when used in conjunction with God's leading. Our ultimate example showed us how invitation can change people's lives and change the world. I'm going to look at a few examples. Are you still with me? You still all right? Let me ask you a question. How did the disciples become Jesus' disciples? What do you think of immediately? I, when, I, when, I, when I think of the disciples, I think of, of uh, Peter and Andrew on the boat. And Jesus say, come follow me. James and John, come follow me, right? But that actually wasn't their first experience of Jesus. Did you know that? John chapter 1, verse 35. The following day, John, as John the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. <laughs> They replied, Rabbi, which means teaser, uh, teacher, not teaser. <laughs> Where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John was saying and then followed Jesus. Andrew was already trying to find his way to God by following John the Baptist. Then when John the Baptist simply said, Look, behold, the Lamb of God. When God invites us to an opportunity to reach out to somebody, all we need to do is look. See what God has done. Look what God has done in my life. You struggling with this thing? Actually, look, I know somebody who went through the same thing. You having marriage troubles? Actually, it's funny you should say that. I know a couple who worked through something similar. Look, let me take you to them and introduce you to how they came through it. Listen to this. 
Andrew, what did Andrew do? Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, and this is very important. Because this is when the light switch comes on for Simon. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel. And told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. So here's Nathaniel sitting under a tree somewhere. Can't sit on there. (laughs) Sitting under a tree somewhere, thinking about where's the Messiah, possibly. But clearly he had some conversations with Philip doing what? Trying to find his way to God. What happens? Philip finds Jesus. Has a meeting with Jesus. What does he do? I just had a conversation with Nathaniel. Let me go find Nathaniel. What does he do? He brings Nathaniel to Jesus and look what happens. Okay, well Nathaniel says, Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself. Philip replied. Don't let people's initial response turn you off. Just because they don't respond in a way that makes you feel good about your faithfulness. Because that's what we do sometimes. Is we want people to respond in a way that makes me feel validated. I did the right thing. Feel good. Don't let the initial response dictate your reaction to what God has told you to do. Because Nathaniel ended up going anyway. Right? And as they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel. (laughs) That's me, Jesus. Yeah. I'm a genuine man of Israel. (laughs) A man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Do you think Jesus meant that he physically saw him? Or do you think the Spirit of God showed Jesus? The Spirit of God. But what did that do to Nathaniel's heart when he heard Jesus say that? Pulled it right open. You see, this is, this is the beautiful thing about invitation and a culture of invitation. When we invite people to meet Jesus, we give them the opportunity to have their hearts opened up to the beauty of the Son of God, to the amazing grace of God, the incredible moment in life when people get to know the sweet love of Father God. Your willingness to step out of your comfort zone, to reject your fear, and be obedient to what God is doing, paves the way for people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what the culture of invitation is.
That is why we live. That is why we move. That is why we exist. So that others living in the same place where we are called to live, where we have our boundaries falling in pleasant places, that's what they need us to be. They need us to be people that doesn't look at all the reasons we might find to not reach out, but look to the one that they are longing for. They need in their lives to say, yes, Lord, if you ask me to invite someone to a home group, invite someone to a Sunday morning, invite someone to a men's meeting, invite someone to a hot curry on a Friday night, invite someone to a book club, invite someone to whatever. Man, what a privilege that would be. What a privilege when somebody one day will stand before Father God, celebrating entry into eternity, look to you and say, because of your willingness, because of your willingness, I am standing here today worshiping with you. Wow. Wow. What an incredible privilege it is to be involved with somebody's salvation, with somebody's life being changed. I want to be that. And I tell you this, it doesn't come naturally to me to say that to people. It doesn't. And I know it's not easy for you. But I know the sweet joy when somebody says, I will come, and their lives are changed. What an incredible testimony of that lady that got saved. How did she get there? Who invited her? Who invites an unbeliever to an equip? (laughs) But why not? If God creates the opportunity, why not? Why do we need to understand it? Why does it have to make sense? All that matters is what is God saying. And in case we forgot, forgot, He is God. He is the one that creates the opportunities for us to just step in and say, Hey, look, there's Jesus, Lamb of God. Let's bow our heads. Lord God, you've, you've spoken so clearly to us this morning that you want us to be on mission with you. you. You are calling us to war. You want us to be an army, Lord God. An army that is effective, an army that's alive, an army that's moving, an army that exists, that have our being in you. You've placed us in this incredible city, Lord God. You've placed us in this area. And if there's anyone here who's not from Croy, Lord God, you've placed them exactly where you want them to be. I pray that they will take this message, that we will take this message, Lord God, and live it out. That we'll be reminded that the privilege we have, Lord God, is to be involved in someone's amazing day. Someone's salvation day. Help us, Lord God. Holy Spirit, give us courage. Give us boldness. Give us faith, not fear, to do what you've called us to do. 
I just sense a moment while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. That maybe, maybe there's some year this morning that's just, you're having that internal struggle. <laughs> and maybe you feel a bit of accusation. Maybe you feel a bit of embarrassment that you didn't step up. I want to encourage you to say that God is bigger than that. God is bigger than that. God doesn't, he doesn't discount you. He is faithful. He is true. He is loving. And He still wants to use you. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that's far from Jesus. If that is you, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, why don't you just slip up your hand and make eye contact with me? I'd love to pray with you. No one's looking around. This is your moment, your opportunity to reconnect with Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. See that hand. I'm going to ask everyone to pray with me and the person that's put their hand up. If you would please follow in this prayer with me. Father God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you see me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. For opening the way for me to meet with you. To meet with you. Here I am, Lord. I am yours. Thank you that you are mine. I determine today to live wholeheartedly for you. Give me the grace to speak to others. For encouragement when I need courage. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Come on, let's celebrate that.